0: Listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. That
1: uh, vignette by Adam there. Thank you, Adam. I don't think we as a church are used to or accustomed to the terminology of Advent or some of the mentality of Advent. We just like Christmas. And so the idea of doing Advent together as a church is kind of a new thing. And so Adam has been coming up regularly to help kind of massage that understanding of waiting, anticipating for the coming of God, uh, which many people through the centuries have done through the church calendar. And so we're just dipping into that a little bit. So. Wait expectantly, for your Lord is coming. Amen? I, I got a question. How many people like, truly love Christmas carols? Just You just love singing a Christmas song? Yeah, good, 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 good. How many people are kind of indifferent, like, yeah, we got to sing them? Fair enough. How many people are like, get that song away from me? I have, um, Luke's not here today, but my son is like, some. I don't know what we did wrong as parents, but he just has this intense aversion to Christmas songs. Like, Christmas comes around and, like, Shine's playing Christmas songs from Halloween or something. Uh, They just, 25% of the year. And he's just like, ah. Anyways, but those of you who love Christmas songs, what are your favorite ones? Let me just, someone just volunteer. Tell me your favorite Christmas carol. Hold on, on, just one at a time. One at a time. Come on, raise your hand. I'll call on you and then you can tell us. All right, Bob, I'm going to come with a microphone. I want people to hear you. What's your favorite Christmas song, Christmas carol? Oh, come, Emmanuel. That was that's a good one, right? What's What's your favorite? Why is that your favorite? I just well, first of all, I love the tune. Do the, the... you want to sing a few bars for us? I would decline. Okay, but what is it about the song you like?
0: It's It's talking about the advent, o the coming. Come, o come yeah, there's this.
1: Runs and starts telling other people. It isn't just those two. There are other people who have been waiting for him to come. Absolutely. And I just hear that in that song. That's awesome. I asked you your favorite song, not to preach my sermon for me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, folks, you can go home now. All right. <laughs> who else has a favorite Christmas song? The mic on? Is Is this mic on? Manny, with a little more on the um, handheld. There we go. Hi, June. What's your favorite Christmas carol? Joy to the world. All right. Tell the us the Lord is come. Yes. <laughs> And I just think that that's what it's all about. Amen. It kind of brings us right to the meaning, right? That's right. I love it. you want to sing a few bars or are you good? I better not. Okay. <laughs> we got room for one more. How many people? Anybody in the wing? Favorite Christmas carol? Daniel, you got a favorite Christmas song? Uh,
0: um,
1: my favorite Christmas song is... Um, I might have to go with "O oh Come, O oh Come, Emmanuel as well. Yep. Because... Um, I just really like it. it, kind of speaks to my heart, beautiful, yeah, good man. Yeah. Good I think you had your hand up first, Chuck, but i 'd rather go with rena i 'm not sure, but we 're going to go with Rina.
0: Yes yeah, so Bambino is one of them, and the other one is I wonder as I wander.
1: Your favorite Christmas carol is a French Christmas carol that 's awesome. Tell us why you like that.
0: I like him because of the me- melody. Very haunting in a
1: way. Haunting? Yes. A haunting oh, 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 French oh, oh. Christmas girl. Yeah. It brings the, the, the tension of the, the what we have and what's coming. I, I just, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. It's, you, I think you went over a lot of people's heads, Rena. But I think it's awesome. Haunting. Because there is something about the tension or the, the beauty of Christmas songs that talk about. Our current state of need and desperation and the coming hope that Christ brings. Right? I, I I wrote down a couple of my favorite Christmas carols, and for some reason they all start with, oh, oh holy night. <laughs> oh holy night. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. There's that, there's like this thrill, and I think the haunt, I mean, haunting not as in spooks, but this like sense of oh man, this coming hope, and yet. The world is so weary. I, I wrote down, O come all ye faithful. I love that because it starts with O, and because it's like joyful and triumphant. There's something about the song that captures a triumph, right? And the whole idea of a triumph is that there was a, there's a war, there's a tension, there is trouble, and that somehow we have triumphed over the trouble. Joyful and triumphant. And then I also put "O come, O come, Emmanuel," because it has "O" twice to free your captive Israel. That there is there is this, this state of darkness and captivity, and that somehow the advent, the coming, the perusia, the, the appearing of Christ has exploded into freedom. And, and I think. The thing I love about the Christmas songs is they paint this picture of the world as we live in it and the world as God would have it. And I think when we look at Christmas, and if we're honest about Christmas, there is this tension between hope and despair. That's why the first candle of Advent, if you're going to do a traditional Advent, there's the four candles. The first one is the light of hope. Because the coming of Christ and the work of Christ is the coming of hope. And I'm not going to rush right into hope because I want to just talk about despair a moment. Because I think we need to understand the backdrop of the coming of Christ. We need to understand quite well why it is that hope is so meaningful. So as we dive into that, let's take a moment and pause And ask God to sift our hearts a minute. When I say sift our hearts, what I really mean is that God would come and he'd break apart the pieces of your heart from just this calloused kind of chunk. And he'd break it into pieces. And he'd refine it and he'd refine it. And he'd take the bad pieces and the broken pieces and the hurt pieces and the sinful pieces and he'd sift that. He'd separate it and that the, that the very pieces of your life that God has put there for a purpose, that you would raise up to be the man or the woman that God intended you to be in the world in this moment, that those are the things he would water with your word today, and those would grow and form afresh. Because some of us, we maybe all of us, have just be formed into kind of a crusty chunk of who we are instead of being this beautiful sculpture of who we're supposed to be. That's what I mean by let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning by the power of your spirit and in the the strength of your word that you would sift our hearts. Separate us, O God, from that which doesn't honor you, even the very things that are within us. Search us and know our hearts. God, see if there is any wicked way in us. God, heal our broken bones, our broken hearts, our broken minds. Let your word pour forth like a flood and hit reset on who we were born to be. In the flesh and in the spirit, we were born to honor you. Help us live as people of expectancy, that we would, our lives, very lives, would be a testimony of hope and incarnation. Let your word go through us today, God, as we go through it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this idea of hope and despair. When I I look at those, I looked at two Bible verses that kind of just sprung to my mind about what is a good description of hope and a good description of despair. And when I thought of despair, I thought of Job's wife, right? Job's like a, it's a long, long book, but in the first two chapters of Job, his whole life just explodes, And, and he loses his wealth, he loses his children, he loses his health. He just starts to lose everything. And his wife, watching all this happen, is just like a Job. It's just too awful. You know what? Here's here's my spousal advice. Curse God and die. Just just call it quits, my man. You're not going to make it. She puts words to this idea of despair. It's like, forget it. You're never going to heal. You'll never have your family back again. You'll never have your wealth back again. Honey, I love you, but curse God and die. Man, has everyone ever told you that so many words? Dude, just forget it. You're too far gone. Things will never change. It's the epitome of despair. And yet, the words of Jesus when it comes to hope is, is what? With man, it's impossible. With God, what? all things are possible. It's like Jesus just opens up this can of hope and just starts pouring it out. He says, you know what? With God, all things are possible. You want your health back? With God, it's possible. You want your money back? With God, it's possible. You want your family back? With God, it's possible. You want to have purpose and meaning and take the pieces of your life, pull it back together, and live a meaningful, purposeful, beautiful life? With God, that's possible. For each and every one of us. This contrast of hope and despair are very vivid. I was um, getting dressed this morning. And I put on my tie. Because why? This is Dressember. Dressember is not about dress to impress Ember. It's not about how many ties can you dig out of the closet. We're wearing ties, some of us, and we're wearing dresses Because the world is in chaos and turmoil. We're testifying to the reality that over 4 million people are in slavery today. That's more people in slavery than at the height of the 400-year transatlantic slave trade. It's unthinkable that our world is in such a state. And here we all feel helpless to change any of it. Some people don't even care. And those that care think, well, how can I even make a difference? We might as well just despair. And still, as a church, we seek to have a prophetic voice. Say, so you know what? No, I'm going to wear a tie every day. I haven't wore, you know, I wear ties for weddings and funerals. So unless I did your wedding and you probably didn't see me at your funeral, you've never seen me in ties. But I'm saying, you know what? As a church, we need to care. God has a heart for justice. And therefore, the church must live the prophetic life to say, there is hope, there is change. God has something better for the world. And so in our small way, we dress, we bring awareness. Some of you are raising money. I think it's fantastic. But the whole context of the thing is that the world is held captive. There was an article that was out recently, the... The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, the kind of the health department of our country, they published an article or a, a finding that for two, second out of three years, maybe some of you have read this, that the life expectancy in America has dropped, right? So it's like we lost a month. You think, well, that's no small, that's no big deal. But in a world of our technology and wealth, life expectancy has been going up since the First World War. The last time life expectancy went down two years in a row was at the height of World War I, where everybody was getting killed in war, and a giant flu pandemic, where over 700,000 people died of the flu. That's the last time life expectancy went down. But in our day, life expectancy has dropped two years in a row. And you know the two major reasons. Number one, suicide. And number two, accidental death, a.k.a. overdose. Over 70,000 people have overdosed in America this last year. Suicide has increased by one-third since 1999. You know what the experts are saying? You know what the the results of this data are? That America is dying of despair. Chronic persistent loneliness, they say, will lower your life expectancy more than if you smoke 15 cigarettes a day. People are overdosing, people are lonely. People are killing themselves. Let me read this to you. This is from the Washington Post, reported on December 1st. Life expectancy in the United States has dropped again. An alarming trend that has not been witnessed since the period of 1915. The prevailing factors of premature deaths caused by World War I and the flu pandemic are now mirrored by the twin culprits of Escalating drug and suicide deaths. Loneliness is in epidemic proportions, quote-unquote. It's producing loneliness literature in sociology and medical findings that is having an effect on people's brains and bodies and on communities. There is a growing consensus that loneliness, not obesity, cancer, or heart disease, is the nation's number one health crisis. Persistent loneliness, I mentioned this already, reduces the longevity of someone twice as much as heavy drinking and more than three times as much as obesity. Research demonstrates that loneliness is as physically dangerous as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and contributes to cognitive decline, including the rapid advancement of Alzheimer's disease. Says one person commenting on the report, we're literally dying of despair of the failure to fill the hole millions of Americans feel in their lives every day. Despair is not some thing of indifference. And maybe, maybe you feel like, well, I'm not living in despair. I'm not really living in this profound sense of hope. You're kind of stuck in the middle. But, but I think the point I'm trying to make is simple. That despair is rampant in our world. There's actually a website, despair.com. Yeah, despair.com. You can buy these demotivational posters. Let's put one up there. Um, demotivational poster. Believe in yourself, because the rest of you us uh, think you're an idiot. That's real nice. Next one. Challenges. I expect times like these, this, but never thought they'd be so bad, so long, and so frequent. How many people have ever felt that? Too many challenges. Next one. Distinction. There's one sharp pencil. Looking sharp is easy when you haven't done any work. I like that one. Some of you are feeling conviction right now. I wonder why I was a sharp pencil, and behold, I know now. Dream small. Although I will say, that's pretty hard, that side climbing. He says, uh, it's your only hope for success, really. I mean, that's kind of sarcastic, but have you ever thought I just need to lower my expectations to be happy in life? i got to start dreaming a lot smaller. These dreams, these God-given dreams of who I could be or what I could do with my life, they're just going to reduce down to, that's a form of despair. Get to work. You aren't being paid to believe in the power of your dreams. Despair.com, fully committed to crushing your dreams and making you feel insignificant. But that's the role of despair. Whether you're in the deepest of despairs of loneliness and drug abuse and potential thoughts of suicide, or whether you're just hovering around the middle, living this kind of meaningless, bland, my life, my dreams really aren't possible. I think that's the setting when we look at Advent. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 8, I want you to see something. The real main text is Isaiah chapter 9, but I want to read the paragraph before we get to chapter 9, which is the great promise of light and hope. But in chapter 8, verse 19, you'll see the prophet begin to address kind of the state of the people. It says this, When someone tells you to consult mediums or spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Curse God and die, said Job's wife. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. The prophet Isaiah is about to prophesy the hope that comes in the coming Messiah that Christ is coming. But before he does that, he says, Don't you know that when you look to spiritists or mediums or you search out the voices other than that of God, that the ultimate necessary Result of that is going to be despair and gloom. And I think we live in a world that listens to many voices. Those voices, the prophet says, will not bring you hope. But then in chapter 9, it says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Verse 2, for the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people before the harvest. Jump down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? And what? And what? And the prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over the kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wow. And the prophet is saying, look, when you listen to things, the wrong sources, you find despair. But when you begin Listening to the Word of God, when you begin seeing the light of dawn, something new is going to break in on your life. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You know, the darkness is very room and glary, gloomy, no doubt. The people walking in darkness, it's dark. But what is the nature of the light? Look at the verse. What is the nature of the light? They have seen what? A great light. I think sometimes we we think that, well, the world is so difficult and the world can be so gloomy, and yet we have this little flicker. We're just trying to keep this little light of mine from going out. Don't let Satan it out. And we have this idea that the light that comes with hope in Christ is just a flicker. But that's not what the scripture says. It says it's coming up like the dawn, and it is a great light. It is a massive, bright, almost blinding light. That there is such hope that comes because of Christ. That it does, in fact, destroy the darkness. For those who cling to Christ, for those who say, the light that has come, I will embrace it. I want to walk in that light. There's incredible hope that the darkness in your heart, the darkness in your life, the darkness in your life and family will succumb to the greatness of the light. The scripture says, walk in the light as children of the light. For there's fruit in the light. If we walk in the light of Christ, it in fact repulses the darkness. I think we live sometimes in despair because we haven't embraced the light. We, we, we're just, we're, we're content with a little flicker. You know, the little flicker. Jesus loves me, this I know. That's all I got. And what to know and to love, we start with the middle and the end, is all about the love of Christ. But there is a victory and triumph that comes in the light because it is such a great light. If you struggle with sin, let the light come in. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins. Lead us in the way of righteousness. Part of our despair is that we cling not to the light, but to the darkness. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever believes should not perish, but have eternal life. What does 17 say? He did not come into the world to judge or condemn the world, but to forgive the world. But men love darkness. And so the issue isn't that the light is so small and fragile. The issue is that men love darkness, that we cling to the darkness. But the hope is this. That in every area of your life, in every area of your family, in every area of this church, and, and all, in, in every area of this community in the world, that the light is very great. And where we embrace the light, folks, the gloom and the despair of darkness runs away. So I wearing a tie or dress matters. So by proclaiming that there's a better way to live matters. And I think we as a church, as a prophetic people, we live in the light of this revelation that Christ has come, that light is here, that darkness is pushed away. And the call of Scripture is for us to live prophetically in that, in that realm, as people, as children of the light. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders... He shall sit on David's throne, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are ours. We live in an age of the light of the mighty God. Walk in faith, people of God. We we live in the age of a wonderful counselor. So seek him, and he will reveal himself to you. Don't just go along with your life and pretend to be religious and go to church sometimes. Seek the Lord, people of God. Wait upon Him with faith and expectancy. That the deepest and most troubling of riddles of your life, the most perplexing areas of your own limitations, that God will unlock in the light of His wonderful counsel. He is the Prince of Peace. To those who live in anxiety and worry he's your prince the scripture doesn't take anxiety or peace or um worry lightly it's it's all over in the characters of scripture in the writings of scripture what a reality stress well, if there's one thing that this world is it's stressful And so the scriptures do not say the world's not stressful. It doesn't say that you're not susceptible to anxiety. But it says you have a prince that rules over those things. And he was born to us. There's something about these words that God wants us to respond to. I liked how Bob stole my sermon earlier when he talked about Simeon. But if you turn to Luke, you will see Simeon. Simeon was an old man, a godly man. But he had lived is it Luke? Luke chapter 2. Do I have it on the slide? Simeon's response. Someone shouted out, Where is it? I lost it. Thank you. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is not like the consolation prize, but it's the fulfillment of God's promises. He was waiting. He was old. He'd been waiting a long time. But he was expectantly waiting. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is on you, is the Holy Spirit on you? Maybe some of you need to just spend some time with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you get on this? You just need to be freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Bathe yourself afresh. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit will show you like specific things that to wait expectantly for. For for Simeon, the the Holy Spirit had told him specifically, I'm going to show you the Messiah. Had the Holy Spirit told everyone that? No. Is that what the Holy Spirit would tell us today? Well, probably not. Christ has come. But the Holy Spirit will show those whom he is upon specific things to wait in hope and expectancy. Some of you... The Holy Spirit has spoke to you that you're still waiting in expectation for a son or a daughter to come back to Christ. Don't give up on that. Some of you, the Holy Spirit had shown you things in your life, and you may be tempted to give up on them. I see some of your faces right now, and I remember things some of you have told me. Things in God that you really hoped for. Light in the darkness means we don't despair on those things. We continue to hold on and wait in God for them. To be devout, to be righteous, to position ourselves devoutly and righteously before the Lord. Because he's about to fulfill the things that he has spoken. What are those? Do you remember those things? You may have written them off. You may have forgotten them. God forbid you forgot something the Holy Spirit told you to wait upon. The Lord is gracious. He'll reveal it to you again. What is it, folks? Simeon's response to the child. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Messiah. 27. Moved by the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. So this old guy is not only waiting devoutly and righteously in the spirit, but now he's moved by the Spirit. All right, look at me. when's the last time you were moved? Look at me. when was the last time you've been moved by the Spirit? It's been too long, folks. It's been too long for some of you. Being moved, Are you moved? Anybody moved? Right now, you're moved. You ready to move? I love it. He's devout. He's waiting. He's old. It's not been easy. But he's still soaked in the Holy Spirit. And he's walking in a revelation that God spoke to him says, you will not die, Simeon. You hang in there. You walk by faith. You trust in me. You be a prophetic man of hope because I'm coming and I'm telling you this. Don't you give up. And he's waiting and he's positioned there. And suddenly, in the right moment, he's moved. I gotta get to church. I gotta get to the temple. I've been waiting. The Lord has been speaking to me. I gotta get there. I gotta get there. Something's happening. He suddenly moved, urgently moved. Could you imagine if he was in the middle of a conversation when he was moved? Hey, Joe, yeah, I know. Those Bears are playing tonight. They're really hot. I think that new young quarterback, gotta go. He was convicted in his heart. Let me tell you what despair or that kind of mid-crusty point does. It's like, hey, Joe, how about those Bears? Man, I cannot wait to see that game tonight. I think they got a chance. You think they got it? I think they got a chance. You got a new quarterback. I hope his shoulder's okay. I don't know. We got this new offense. I said, He's moved. Oh, yeah, and you know what? Why don't you come on over tonight? We'll have hot dogs. And, and, and you're suddenly moved. Then you brush it off. I got to finish my conversation about something that's meaningless. I offend, don't mean to offend the Bears fans. But if the Holy Spirit speaks to you in the fourth quarter when the Bears are on their winning drive, so help me, God, you better move. But we, right, do we move? Simeon had been waiting a long time. He had every reason just to give up. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when his parents brought the child Jesus to do what was customary in the law, they were doing the ordinary thing. And in the midst of this ordinary thing, God was moving. This tension between hope and despair, let me show you where the hope is found. That light has begun to shine and that people who are devout and who are righteous and are waiting on God begin to hear from God, and live in a revelation that God is moving on the earth today. And then in the midst of the ordinary things of life, God begins to speak. And people begin to proclaim hope and the gospel. And look, Simeon, he says, he took him, he like walked up. He grabbed, I don't know, he grabbed the baby. He's like, give me that baby. I've been waiting a long time for this. Give me that baby. No, he's my baby. You can't, my baby. new friends that missionaries in Thailand and while they were there they were having children and evidently it's it's custom in Thailand to honor those who are older than you to the extent that if some strange woman that you've never met before who's kind of a grandma type walks up to you in the middle of a store they're allowed to take your baby and start walking around with the baby right this was a culture shock to those young American parents we protect our babies from strangers I don't know what was happening here, but Simeon grabs the child, and he knows it's a moment, a testimony of hope. Sovereign Lord, he prays, "as as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory for your people Israel. Folks, Simeon's response as he welcomed God's presence, it was this response of praise. It was this response of salvation. Salvation has come. And it wasn't just small. It wasn't just for him. It's like it's for all the Gentiles, for all of the nations, for the glory of God. When we talk about hope, we're not just talking about, I hope I'll make it through my problems and my days. We're talking about the hope of the glory of God breaking forth in our world. We're talking about people being transformed from despair or, or this lukewarm blindness of mediocrity into living purposely for God. So much to the extent that Simeon was like, hey, I can die now. You can dismiss me. Like, class, dismiss. Go ahead and die, Simeon. He's like, it doesn't matter because, you know what, I'm living for and only for the promises of God to be fulfilled in my life. And when those are fulfilled, I'm good. He was gripped with living in hope and expectancy. And that, that, that defined his whole life. Maybe we need to spend more time living in the wonderful counselor. You need to spend more time living in the mighty God. Spend more time expressing the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Wasn't it beautiful how John taught us last week about living in the memory of what God has done and rehearsing those memories? Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits to live rehearsing in the, in the overflow. It's like when we sing songs, you let your worship go beyond the song. When the song is done, let your worship continue. I mean it, when they're up here and they're worshiping and they, they're kind of coming to the end of the song and you see them look down and flip the page, what do you do? Has your worship ended? Are you waiting for the song again? I hope not. Because that first song you were on has only opened a can of worms of worship. A big old can of worm worship. And now these worms just, they can't, they can't stop. That your worship is overflowing. It's going beyond the song. We need to learn how to do that better. We need to train ourselves to forget not all of his benefits. I'm going to end with this scripture and then a testimony. Isaiah in 9 talks about the child that was born to us. Jesus in Luke 4 quotes these words. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the marginalized, to the powerless, to the hopeless. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. Christ has come to set the perpetual lonely in a community of love. Christ has come to bind up the broken hearted. You know, if perpetual loneliness is worse than smoking 10 cigarettes a day, Don't you know that the church of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of God, have a solution to that, and it's not a nicotine patch? It's called community. It's called friendship and love. And some of us are better at hosting a party than others. Some of you like people, and some of you just don't like people. I understand. But living in the light of hope means that when you see somebody chronic loneliness, you think, you know what? They'd be better off smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You'd live longer if you were obese and an alcoholic than if you were, you know what? I got a spot for you. Fourth row in the main, right next to me. Come on. And then we're going to go out for some lunch afterwards, and I'll see you for coffee on Wednesday or something. But don't you understand? Being the people of the light means that these things that Jesus talked about, binding up the heart of the broken, it's easy. Follow hope. Open your eyes. Be the light. Let me finish reading that. To proclaim freedom for the captives, those enslaved physically and spiritually, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 3. And to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus read these words. He said, today in your presence These words have been fulfilled. Listen, this this morning, if, if you've got ashes going on here, you need a touch from the Lord to receive a fresh crown of beauty. If you're lacking the joy of the Lord, and all you have is mourning, for unto you a child is born. A son's been given. Captives, grievers—they all have their purpose found in Christ. I want to—I um, want to show you a very special video now. A testimony of a young lady who's a part of this church. She came to the Lord here, and so um, can we show. Welcome, everybody. Miss Kristen Copple. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, my name is Kristen. I have been going to Living Word since high school, and um, since I've recently graduated from Indiana University, um, I have a really cool opportunity to share with you guys. So, I'm moving to Anchorage, Alaska, because I got a job out there, and I will be working at a behavioral health hospital. and I'll be on the on a residential youth girls unit, working um, working with girls who. Um, are going through a really hard time who are struggling um so they'll have like depression and anxiety and suicidal ideations and um yeah so it'll be um a challenge for sure and so I will definitely be needing prayer um just for myself and for them um and for I don't know opportunities to like build relationships and hopefully um share the gospel with them That'd be awesome. I also just want to thank you guys just for um, the brief time I've been home since graduating, just for supporting me and um, being my friends and just being awesome, being who you guys are. So thank you guys. I um, I love you all, and I'm going to miss you for sure.
1: When was the first time you thought, I really like working with people that are going through these circumstances?
0: Um, so I was in college when I kind of first um, even became exposed to people with disabilities or illnesses and just realized I um, I don't know I have such a heart for them and I know that like God sees them and loves them just the same as us and um, I don't know this is something that I've um, I'm making my career and um, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking so um, what are ways
1: that? That you actually help them. What are things that you help people with mental illness? Like why? Why do you? How do you make a difference in their lives?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think people with disabilities and illnesses want to be seen just like you or I. Like they don't want to be seen as their disability. And I think one of the ways that um, that God has been teaching me to love them is just to love them for being who they are and not just seeing their disability and that's something I think he's really gifted me with in college and so I'm super excited to go and to um, just share that with the world. And lastly, I just wanted to thank uh, the church, particularly um, the friendships I've made since I've been home. I think um, I would have been really lonely if it weren't for the people in Lighthouse and um, and the church and so I just wanna thank you guys for supporting me and for loving me so well. And, Keep
1: being awesome. I want to close with that video because when I, first of all, found out she was leaving to go to Alaska, I thought, that ain't cool. You just graduated. We want you back here, you know, And um, because she's kind of a friend of the family. And then I realized she was leaving before we had a chance to pray for her up here. <clears throat> because when one goes, we all go, and we want to be a part of what she's doing. And so she came over, and we, just, we had a little breakfast with the family. And I said, just, just she started talking about what she was doing. And I, I wanted to capture it because I thought it, it just was such a testimony. Because here you have a young lady going through high school, kind of churched, didn't know the Lord. She meets some people that take Jesus seriously, and she starts to follow Jesus. She comes to Christ, and she finds a place here, and she found an amazing place at IU, college ministry, where she just belongs and grows and matures. She doesn't just stay the same, but she she blossoms this young Christian woman who takes her faith seriously and wants to live as a light of hope in a despairing world. And then she grows up and then she's, she says, I just want to help mentally and emotionally damaged people in Alaska. I, and I asked her, I said, Is this really the only job you could get? Is that why you're going to Alaska? She's like, no, I had several interviews or several ways to do this, but I, well, this need came up and my heart had a rise to it and I thought I could really go and minister there. And I was like, that's awesome. And I think when we look at Christmas and the light of hope in a world of despair in the darkness of despair, I think she's a beautiful testimony and model. Come to Christ, take your faith seriously. Grow up. And mature in the things of God. And then live your life in such a way as to bring light and hope to those that many of the world have forgotten. Ministering to teenage, emotionally troubled teenage girls in Alaska, how many people was that was on your list as you thought of what you were going to do in 2019? It wasn't. It wasn't on mine. But behold what the Lord has done quicken her. And God moved her. And now she's there. Stand with me. I'm going to pray. We're going to close. I'm going to pray for Kristen. And I'm going to pray for you. And if you need a touch from the Lord, this is your moment to open your heart. I'll put words to it. But you ask the Lord to move in your heart today. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't take the Lord seriously, and you, you thought, well, if I died today, I don't know the Lord would know who I am, or I don't really know him. You, maybe you just need to give your life to the Lord today, and say seriously, God, I'm yours. I want to follow Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, God. Let the light of hope awaken in my own heart. Seriously, don't take that for granted. No assumptions when it comes to your salvation. Welcome, Amen. Specifically, and maybe you just need to say, I need to start living as a light of hope, that I'm a consumer. I'm like a black hole of hope. No matter how much hope the Lord pulls in, pours in it, none ever comes out. And maybe you just need to be a purveyor of hope, a proclaimer of hope to the world around you. Father in heaven, I thank you for this chance to be in your word this morning. I thank you, O oh God, for your word which speaks so powerful to us. Thank you that for unto us a child was born, son was given. Thank you that we, living in darkness, have seen a great light. Thank you for the promise of hope. I pray, God, for everyone here that, Lord, if if anyone here is struggling with despair, that's not a joke, that's real. And we don't dismiss it. We take that struggle, we bring that despair to the cross, to you, the one who was forsaken himself, the one who bore our sins. Lord, and we we bring it to you and ask you, God, Come and lift the dark veil. Come and bring the the dawn of light. Come, O God, and take the ashes and bring beauty. Mourning and bring joy. Lord, give us a garment of praise, not a spirit of despair. We pray now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would lift these things from our presence even now. Lord, we thank you for Kristen and her testimony. We pray for her today. Even, Lord, as there's that big earthquake up there that shook her house, and living in a strange place, doing strange and wonderful things, God, we pray for her. God, that her faith would not just be preserved, but it would flourish. That she would not just serve, but, Lord, there would be fruit in her serving. There would be ministry. There would be a gospel testimony. God, that people would be encouraged, people would come to Christ. I pray that you would root her in community and good friendship. And God, let your gospel, Lord, be powerful and mighty in her life. And I pray for us too, God, that we would be the same, ambassadors of hope in the world around us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Together we said, amen. Have a great week. You're dismissed.